0: Let me ask you, you think that I could go buy a lottery ticket and hope and have incredible hope that it would win? And the hope that I had in that lottery ticket would cause it to win. You know, I think that for a lot of us, that sounds very ridiculous, but that seems to be what's preached in a lot of places. We are told that if we have enough faith or we have enough hope or whatever you want to call it, then it will happen. And then people will read this verse to you. They will say, Hebrews 11, 1, now faith is a certainty of things hoped for, a proof of things not seen. And what they will say, well, what you need to be is certain, absolutely certain that it's going to happen. And if you are absolutely certain that it's going to happen, then it will happen. You know, if you don't, What they'll say is, it was your fault. It was your fault because you just didn't have enough faith. And that works okay, I guess. Except when you've got somebody who's sick, that you love, that is dear to you. And you start praying for them. And you think that if you have enough hope, if you think that you have enough faith, and you think that if I can do that, I can bring them back from the very doorstep of death. If I just had enough faith, and then what happens? They die. And guess how you feel? You feel guilty. You feel guilty because you didn't have enough faith. It was your fault that they died and so you feel guilty is that the way that a loving God wants us to live see the thing about it is is that are we supposed to live in our guilt no Jesus came to take away our guilt God doesn't want us living in guilt that is absolutely the truth and thinking that we're in charge is the substance of fairy tales. And if we think that we can change things simply because of what we do, in other words, we can make God do something, we're just dreaming. That's all that's going on. However, Jesus did come to give us hope. Now, how does that work? Let's look. Hope originates in a promise, not in what I wish will happen. It originates in a promise We'll see that in Abraham. It says in Hebrews 6, 13, For when God made the promise to Abraham, since he could swear an oath by no one greater, he swore by himself, saying, Indeed, I will greatly bless you, and I will greatly multiply you. See, Abraham is given a promise that he will be greatly multiplied, but he, at this point, he doesn't even have a child. And he wants an heir, an heir that will be that one that he can give his, his, uh, all of his wealth to. And he was probably one of the wealthiest persons in the world at this point. And he had no one to give it to. And when God gave him this promise, did you realize that he was 75 and Sarah was 65 years of age? I don't know of too many 75 year old, 65 year old women, I mean, 75 year old men, 65 year old uh, women who are moving across the street from an elementary school because they expect they're going to have a child. Not seen that. And yet, he had the hope, that hope that came from a promise from God. Promises must come from an outside source. We cannot make the hope up for ourselves. However, God, by his, there's nobody even greater than God. And because there's nobody greater than God, he swears by himself. You see, it was God who would command the world and it would do as he said. God said, let there be light and there was light. And it was from God's own word that creation became creation. So the one who makes the promise must have the power to accomplish the promise. And God made the promise again. He made a promise to Jacob. While Jacob was asleep, Jacob has left the family so that he could go and find a wife. He sleeps and God gave him his promise in a dream. We get that song about climbing or whatever Jacob's ladder that goes there he tells him that his descendants and by his descendants all the families of the earth will be blessed he even tells him that the land that or the ground that he's lying on is going to be his genesis 28:15 says behold i am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land for I will not leave you until I've done what I have promised you. See, God didn't say, you know what? I hope you make it, Jacob. I hope you make it. He just said, I will do it. If you read that very carefully. See, you don't have a, pro- you don't have a hope when you don't have a power behind the promise. There must be a power behind that promise. The hope in the promise is only as good as the person making the promise. You know that. It says in Hebrews six 13, uh, seventeen. In the same way, God desiring even more to demonstrate to the heirs of the promise the fact that his purpose is unchangeable confirmed it with an oath. We recognize that God's purpose is unchangeable through all of this. God will act on Abraham to make his descendants like as numerous as the stars in the sky. He will act with Jacob to make his descendants a blessing to all the families of the earth, including us, by the way. And so God will bring the the Messiah to save all of his creation. And when we want a promise from God, we ask him, we don't ask him to say, God, I just want this promise. We say, God, how will this promise fit in to how you are completing your purpose and making us a blessing to all the people in the earth. Will it bring redemption to someone? Will it be a testimony that I will give later that tells about a story of redemption? Will it be a story that I can talk about and I can say that as God has promised through Jesus Christ that he came to give us life abundantly, that I can tell somebody how Jesus has given life abundantly or is it going to be something that I'm going to see in someone else that I'm going to see this abundant life? See, God intended us to be a people of redemption and he intends for us to be part of those that are redeemed. You know, sometimes we, you know, we fail to understand the miracles in the Bible. We, we see that, you know, Jesus heals, he walks on water, he raises the dead. And we confuse that with something that is intended just for those who received it. But each miracle proved and showed who Jesus is. Each miracle today reveals who Jesus is. So we pray until we get a promise before and after we need to tell the assured stories of the promises to bring people to redemption it's the same purpose God has bringing people to redemption through his promise and no miracle that you ever have should be kept silent Jesus did that when so he didn't want people to know who he was at one point he wants to know he wants people to know who he is now And how will that happen when God gives you a promise and you say, how do I know this is going to happen? Well, if God has given you a promise, I can assure you of some things. God can't lie. He cannot lie. It says in Hebrews 6, 18, so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we have taken refuge. We who have taken refuge would have strong encouragement to hold firmly to the hope set before us you know you ever hear somebody say there's nothing that God can't do there's a lot of things that God can't do he can't tell a lie you know he can't sin he can't he can't tempt you to sin you understand because of who he is he can't do that but when God says something will happen, you can count that it will happen because God cannot tell a lie. Once you have received a promise from God, if you're praying and you get a promise from God, it changes your prayers. Understand, prayers of faith come from God's promises. You get that promise? You're saying, I do, I'm going to pray a different way. It says in First John chapter 5, verse 14, This is the confidence that we have before him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request which we have asked from him. See, we're asking according to his will because we are asking according to the promise that we have received from him. It has nothing to do with my ability to have faith in this. It has with the ability that God has to do anything that he says that he will do and does everything that he, will, he said that he, he will do. When we were in Lubbock, uh, one of our daughters was about four years of age and, and uh, we had a large staff. I mean, a very large staff there. Uh, And uh, so they, they, one time they hired a magician just for the children of the staff to come and entertain the children. And the magician, you know, he called my daughter who was four years of age up on the stage. And she went up on the stage. You know, if you know my daughter, she's very, very, she's very, very kind and she's very, very generous. She's a very uh, great uh, person altogether. But when she went up there, she was up on the stage. She didn't know what was going to happen. She's four years of age. And the magician had her, pull something I think out of a hat or something I don't remember what it was I know it wasn't a rabbit because she would have made us take it home but that was the thing you know so she pulled it out and everybody applauded and my daughter just beamed she thought she did it she had made it and you know what she came down from the stage and she looked at us and she said I was trickiful she was trickiful she thought that she had done the trick you know what a lot of people are thinking they're thinking that if I just have enough faith, I can do the trick. Not from God's promise, but I can do the trick. I can make it happen. And we cannot. This hope is not seen any clearer than what Jesus has done for us. Hebrews six nineteen and 20, which has already been read, but I'll read it again. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, a hope both sure and reliable and one which enters within the veil where Jesus has entered as a forerunner for us, having become a high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. This hope is an anchor of the soul, it says here. This is a picture of a ship being tossed by the waves. It's near the shore, but it's tossed by the waves. And it drops the anchor so it doesn't get bashed against the shore. The anchor keeps the ship safe. The anchor keeps the ship from going where it must not go. See, the hope that we have, it holds on to us and will not let go. Uh, I had a friend that I had, that I've known for years. He called me one night here. And he doesn't live here, but he, he called me here. And he said, are you sure I'm saved? You know, that happens to people all the time. They come to a spot. I don't know what happened in his life. I don't know what happened to make him think this. And, and he said, do you, you know me better than anybody? Do you know I'm saved? And I said to him, I said, let me tell you, I started giving his testimony I said, God did this in your life and you knew it. You stood before a bunch of people and you declared what was going on. You know when God told you not to take a job and what happened to that other business when you didn't take that job. You know what happened. And I said, look at all the times that you can tell me that Jesus Christ has led in your life and you obeyed. You're saved. You're following the Lord. You know you are. I told him his testimony. You see, just because you can't feel the anchor at the moment doesn't mean the anchor is still not holding you in place. He didn't lose his salvation. He just doubted it a little bit. Note that this is what it says about hope. This hope is sure. It is sure. That word that they put there for that, it means certainty. It's, it's one of those words that has the, I mean, I'm going to give you a little Greek here. You put the alpha before a word and it means not that. And so they put in front of it, it put, they put uh, alpha and they put the word fail uh, and the, the word for fail. It means it will not fail. It's sure that it will not fail. It's like a bridge that you know that is sturdy enough and it is guaranteed it will not fail. When I was in school, when I was you know, younger, and I rode a school bus. We had a big rain, and the rain washed out part of this bridge. And I remember that the the bus driver stopped, and he looked at the bridge, and he said, if any of you would like to get off and walk across, you know, I will drive the bus by myself. Do you know why he did that? He wasn't sure of that bridge. He wasn't sure it would hold them up. Well, let me tell you about what God's promise does. It will hold you up. If you doubt your salvation, it will hold you up. If you sin, it will still hold you up. If you think you don't have it anymore in any way whatsoever, even if others tell you that you don't have it, it will still hold you up because this hope is reliable. That word for the reliable means standing firm on one's feet against all doubts, against all those who will oppose the gospel and those in the world itself that say that it is not true. It will stand up. You will have this stalwart faith in the gospel. It's not because of the, the hope is made by you, but it is because it is a hope that stands on the words of the one who made it. It is sure. It is reliable many times people will come to me with things on the internet you know that people can make up lies on the internet i don't know if you knew that they can make up lies on the internet they can even make fake videos especially of political candidates make the fake videos make it look like they did something that they didn't do but let me ask you would you stand on everything you've seen on the internet no would you stand on everything you've heard from politicians no, I think I thought you were going to yell that. Anyway, but you see, you can stand on what God has said. I watched this ad on the internet. It was about this bug killer light thing. I mean, it looked fantastic. It told this story about how the big companies did not want you to have this technology in your little hands. But you better buy this before before they, they are forced to take it off the internet. It's going to be on there just for a period of time. And surely these evil companies are going to come around. And they're going to take this thing off the internet. They're going to take it away from you. And I, I went, I was just about to say, I'd like to have. And I said, wait a minute. Isn't that the story that all of them tell you? There is some big company or it's the government or there's somebody that just doesn't want you to know about this stuff. Seems like all the ads have that. And you only have a limited amount of time because if you don't act on it in a limited amount of time, you're not going to be able to get this ever. And you're going to be getting something that nobody else gets. You know what I did? I looked up that bug killer light thing. Did you know it was on the internet about four times with a different name? You know why they change the name? They get such a bad reputation, they have to change the name. They keep selling the piece of junk. And I looked at it and I said, what a piece of junk. Then I looked on the, the reviews. Not good either. But you can stand firm on the hope in Jesus Christ. This hope enters within the veil. This is a picture of the work of Jesus making atonement with the Father on our behalf. It is the picture of Yom Kippur, Day of Atonement, but it is not on earth in this case. This is because the Day of Atonement was when the priest would enter the Holy of Holies for the sins of the people. That word translated within or behind is the Greek word esoteros. Can you hear the word esoteric in there? Esoteric means it's a knowledge or a skill known by only a limited number of people. See, on Yom Kippur, the high priest would offer the sacrifices. The people could enter at that but one day only. They could enter into this Holy of Holies. But he was to offer the sacrifices to God. Well, Jesus, the only one who could offer the sacrifice of himself, entered the Holy of Holies and offered the sacrifice for the sins of the people. It is truly the day of atonement. He steps up for us. This hope is based on the completed work of Jesus Christ. My God may be still working on you, but Jesus has completed his work. When he got on the cross, he yelled the, uh, the, the word tetelestai. Tetelestai is a perfect verb. It means that it was finished and it's still finished. It means whenever you read that word, it's still finished. It was finished at that moment, but it is still finished right now. So it was finished then, and it is finished now. We base our hope on Jesus being the forerunner for us. That's an interesting Greek word. It's, and sometimes we think it means he went before us, but it actually means he has shown the way. He told his disciples when he was going to leave, when he was going to die, and he says he went to prepare a place for us so that, that where he is, we would be also. And then he told them, you know the way. And Thomas, Thomas said, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How do we know the way? You remember what Jesus said in John fourteen six? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is not merely one who shows the way. He is the way. Understand, there's a whole lot of difference between saying, you go over here, and saying, I am the way. It is the only way that you're going to be able to get there. So he has, he's, uh, he has shown that he is the way, and saying he is the truth, and he is the life, and his truth is genuine, and his life is more than just living longer. It is true life. And coming to that realization is not an act that humans can perform on their own. You know, I've heard someone say, a great preacher, he said this. He said, uh, uh, salvation is one of the easiest things in the world. You know what? I, I think it's a not. I, I realize you have nothing on your part to work for it. I understand that. But let me tell you what's going on. The world is pulling you all the time. Stay in the world, stay in the world, stay in the world. And what you've got to say is, is that all that I have believed that is in this world that is going to fulfill my life and going to give me meaning in my life. I've got to turn away from that. And I have got to go toward Jesus who will truly give me life. And you've got no proof of that except his word and the Holy Spirit speaking to you right at that moment. It is truly a miracle. When somebody comes to know the Lord. Mark Twain said that faith is believing something you know ain't true. You know why he said that? Because he had no evidence of knowing that it was true. You see, the fact is, is that from the outside looking in, it looks like there's no proof. But when you are on the inside, you find out that Jesus is the proof that you needed you see, knowing that you hear his calling is got, has got to be the truth. Walking with him every day is the proof. And then you know that it is true and you have hope. First Corinthians 13, 12 says, For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know fully, just as I have been fully known. See, we have only a dim glimpse of the hope that will be fully realized when we see our Savior face to face. We've got proof, we've got evidence, but it is only a dim glimpse. And then it will be more than hope that we'll have. It will be more real than anything else we have on this earth. I've been at the bedside of people when they passed away many times. Believers, I've been there right beside them. And I've seen them go from a moment. In fact, in some cases, I've talked to them not so far before this happened. And a few minutes later, they are gone. And I look at them and I say, you know what? They're no longer hoping. They see Jesus face to face. They see him face to face. Pray with me. Father, I do pray for all of us here to have this hope.